Welcome, guys, to the How Do You Health podcast. Uh, today's guest is Kristen, Kristen Whitesell. Um, Warrior Woman Mode is your handle. Your Is it your company? Yeah, it's a business well? name. It's a business name. Mm-hmm. And, well, as you guys know, our guests always get an IV, but this is a very special IV because Kristen has been coming to the MSW Lounge um, for th- this whole week. Her and Freddie have. Um, and uh, doing 750 milligrams of NAD. We're going to get into why here in a, in a few minutes. Uh, we have Nurse Doza, so we're definitely going to be talking vitamins and health. And I'm Tex-Mex Yogi, so yeah, let's get the party started. Hi. But you didn't even say the biohacker aspect of it. Well, we're going to get into biohacking for sure. Yeah, because that's... Well, the thing is that Kristen's like the female biohacker, and I feel like we, we started talking to another friend of ours that you'll meet, Katie, and we want to do a, a female biohacking course. Yeah. Because as you know, everything out there that's biohacking, it's all men. Yeah. Right? And even all the studies that back up the reasons why people are even trying some crazy shit yeah. are only done on men. A lot of them. Yeah. And now it's kind of changing. It's changing a little. I mean, it was like, it's only in the last like 20 years we're starting to see some adjustments and it's like there is a sensical reason in some way because we have a different hormone fluctuation so it's harder for us to be stable on when we're when we're in the research but yeah the the number one thing that was researched about women through through the eons of time was um how to control hysteria so we're hopefully shifting away from that (laughs) that was a lot of shock therapy like about 100 years ago unfortunately right it's crazy you mean but you still look at what Abortion's still an issue, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't even know why that's even a, a thing, like to even question it, right? Because men and women are completely different, right? Yeah. Everything and from the standpoint of the fact that you can make a baby, we can't. Yeah. I mean, there's something there, right? Yeah. And so I've seen, and Baldur's seen this too in Austin as well, the idea that women can be empowered the same way that men can and release that type of knowledge and have that type of grace at the same time and that strength. And I think what's really cool is that I, I, from what I get from your branding is that you're trying to empower and strengthen women and, and almost have them discover, you know, how to strengthen themselves and what tools they have available, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I work, you know, I put a lot of bodies in the ice and breath work that are male and female. I've worked with men in the past, but just I saw a big gap for a number of years uh, in the around research in women and how women were doing things. And I also spent a long time 12, 13, 14 years in corporate America where most of my bosses were men, where the office felt a specific way and behaviorally, communication-wise, everything was done a certain way. And I morphed in the beginning very much into a, let's just call it a masculine sensibility, this like male 24-hour clock of hormonal cycles, this way the workforce worked. And the only way I, I saw myself as a younger woman having success was to conform to exactly how the walk and the talk and the rhythm of that pattern. And later on in my corporate career, as I got to start to manage people across the United States and North America, you know, directing brands, I would have women come and work for me. And I would think we had this great rapport. And then I'd be sitting in a review with them and they'd say at the end of the review, whether it was, you know, good, bad, indifferent, whatever, I want to, can I ask you something? Do you like me? And I was like, oh, there's a communication breakdown. I'm like over, I'm a little, for many people, for other, some other women in the beginning when I started having more women come into the workforce, because I was the only woman in the beginning, I'd sit down with them and it was like, oh, 
not just different styles of management for different people, oh, yeah. but there needs to be a softness. I've lost some quality in my in my management and my own persona of softness and femininity and um, that's something I still do the work on now because I'm like warrior woman mode and that doesn't just mean I'm out there gunning for it all right it is about power it is about res resiliency but it's also about how can I be soft and subtle and intuitive and that's like so important we don't talk about those things I think enough and we don't allow let's just talk about physiological females, right? Because there's a lot of, of people on different spectrums in that regard. But physiological females, we don't necessarily, we haven't set them up for success. The greater we have not set them up but for I, success. But I also feel like that that's why females are like the natural biohacker, right? Because there's always so much changing. And like, you're always trying to incorporate to like this time or that time of either the day or the month or the year or yeah uh and it's so much different for us right because even for even from like the standpoint of like you just talking about like you're talking from a business sense and i've run many sales companies and i've always noticed since day one i, I used to look at it from a negative standpoint i was like i don't want to work with women because they just they it's like another girlfriend. Like I don't want to have ten, <laughs> I don't want to have ten girlfriends. I used to think this. Yeah, yeah. Right. I used to think this. Like it's like it's like having like ten girlfriends for sales at the people office. Yeah. Because not only do I have to show them how to do all this, but then I also still have to like care for them. And, and and then at some point I was like, did you just listen to that? Like you're worried about having to care about someone. Right. And and that was a negative thing for a while. Yeah. Up until and now we embrace it. Now it's like if anything we work with more women. There's just it's just it's a beautiful thing to, to do it's a beautiful relationship and I think it goes further yeah um, as well I don't know why but and maybe that's also a negative thing to say now but well uh. <laughs> I, it brings up a good point is what you said earlier you talked about uh, embracing this I don't know this softer side I guess is what you want to call it it's weird because if you put that with like masculine or feminine what do most people go towards they're going to say your softer side will be on the feminine side and yeah. there's a lot there's a big movement amongst even the conscious men here in Austin to embrace that femininity. And I like, why does it always have to be associated that softer is feminine? I, yeah. I, I don't know if that's the, is that because of the nurturing aspect that's already ingrained in women? Like I don't, it's so interesting because when, you know, men from Mars and women from Venus, that whole aspect of it, it really is a communication way. It's a way of understanding each other. It's very different to where you would have an idea, like literally like, oh my God, I'm working with 10 girlfriends. It's weird. I've never thought of it that way. If I had, like imagine a, a female who was nurturing, I don't think I would ever look at a, a, a another female as like a girlfriend-like because I'm like, there's a weird kind of, I don't know. You just look at it from a sense like they're another person they with different qualities who thinks differently than me and probably feels differently than me out of a lot of different things. The thing is, I think women are more vocal about a lot of their expressions, which if you look at guys, you're talking about being soft. Is it soft for a guy to speak up and talk about his feelings? Yeah. Well, well no, but see, like what I was referencing to is like whenever I had my guy sales guys and they would be slacking, I was like, dude, stop being like whatever, you know, and I would it's say different like, communication, stop being right? a pussy. Like I would say that, like, this is me. This is way like when I'm 20, 21, like running sales groups and they would like almost just like look like put their head down go back out the door and just go hit like hit the doors and they'd come back and they'd kill it like because i 
call them off. It's like, a totally know. different kind of a motivation. We see this in fitness too with women, right? You see like when athletes are being trained with women versus men, like athletes, res- male athletes respond to a different type of motivation. This like, ooh, thing. And again, a lot of what we're talking about, because this happens quite often is like, we're generalizing a bit, right? Not right. everyone is right. going to respond this way. And not every coach is just, is like, you know, cursing out their, their, you know, mo- motivating their people by being like harsh Correct. language. But there is this dynamic. And what I love that we're seeing in the world. And I do see down here in like the conscious community in Austin, which is to me such like an interesting um, <laughs> turn of phrase. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting with a couple conscious bros. Um, <laughs> it's an interesting turn of phrase, but it's, it's, it's that we're all exploring the different avenues that we haven't been allowed societally to, to have in a number of years. I think that's some of the growth that's coming out of the introspection we've seen from quarantine. And, you know, there is a thing, to be noted, which is our brain chemistry and the way that our patterns fire neurologically as women versus men are different, right? The way we pattern, the way we, our thought process and women quite often, females are taking in the whole picture. They're taking in like the whole, let's call it a tribe or a group or a community. And we're considering more often than not every person who comes to play in the decision that we're making. And that's not to say that men don't have a caring spirit, but there is something a bit more direct or linear about the way that they're decision making. And I noticed this in the workforce, exactly what you're talking about, which is I would be like, someone would come down really hard on me for something. My first job was 18 men and me in a division, right? And this is, we don't need to make this about corporate America, but it was like strip strip clubs and steakhouses and this is how it's going to go down and very like old school sales, which doesn't exist as much anymore. But I had that. Yeah, (laughs) thankfully. And then, but I had that. And part of the reason that I, I, I can communicate with men so well is because I had this background, right? So I did get benefits of, of being successful in that realm and that, and that, in those roles because I had a lot of male bosses who taught me a lot of ways I did not ever want to be a boss and a lot of male bosses who taught me beautiful things. But there was an understanding of how that mentality works. Totally. And then I would come home from work the first year and I remember like having like tears because I, uh, someone would be like, this is wrong and this is broken or you didn't do this right or like really hard on me. And then an hour later, they'd be like, oh, we're all going down to the bar. Let's have a drink. And I was like, but I thought he was like mad at me and I don't know. He's <laughs> yelling at me and now he's fine. And that communication shift for me was like, it was, it was a really interesting learning, I guess. Yeah, when I no, go back sure. and look like, you know, from a communication standpoint, but this is also why I think when I named the business um, Warrior Woman Mode, I also have a podcast called Well Power, which is like all around biohacking 101. But when I named the business Warrior Woman Mode, it was like innate to me that like the warrior was something that I was trying to touch and tap into as a female, just like what kind of resiliency and power can I build? And the woman part was like the soft and feminine, but it doesn't actually translate that way. Many people are just like, oh, warrior woman. It's all about like, you're go hard. And, you know, and I am a huge fan probably because of a lot of these, the male influences in my life of like Jocko Willink and David Goggins and all these guys that are, you know, a little like hardcore. Mm Because I think it's nice to explore that as a female as well as many other people that I'm following and working with and mentors like Emily Fletcher in the meditation realm, which have a a bit more, you know, softness and opening and all of that. And I think it's really about how we learn to allow ourselves to be exactly the balance of of energies. Mm -hmm. Let's not even name them, right, of energies that we want to be. Yeah. So it's, it's always an interesting conversation, right, because... We never want it to come down to like males or females, but yeah. there is a physiological, biological thing that's different for us. That's well, the thing about it is, is like if you look at those as personality traits or per- or the way that someone coaches or manages like uh, 
each one of those ways to do that is also a tool, right? Like, yeah. And so it's like managing a person, you have to manage for that specific person. Yeah. And, and for me, it's always like, well, tools are tools. You either know how to use them very effectively or you have a different tool you prefer to use. Yeah. Right. And so, and, and then at some point you learn like, yeah, this is not even a good enough tool for like any of this. Like there's a much better tool. Why are you still using this other tool yeah. that is no longer useful? Like yeah. change it. Right. And, and that's where I came at some point uh, because I started seeing like, oh, like, if I am this other way, if I'm, if I try to communicate first and then figure out what the goal should be or, or can be for this person and they're aligned with what she actually wants or he actually wants, I don't even have to do much work. Yeah. It just gets done. Yeah. And, and then I was like, well, that's a much better tool than, yeah. than what I was trying before. Yeah, and it's then like it's expansion. now that's just like, I recognize that I was there at one point, but it's just like, I'm sure it was a stepping stone for something and I'm thankful for that, I guess. And now I'm done with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to look back at our past in that way. Like I, there are behaviors that I had that weren't terrific around like the first women working for me, obviously, like I talked about, they weren't, they weren't inappropriate, but they were like, probably I was taking the long road, like you're, yeah. like you're saying. And the other thing I want to just like mention about the research, which you brought up in the beginning is there hasn't been a ton of research. It's getting a little bit better. It's sort of still not happening fast enough in my opinion, but there are hundreds of studies. I, I talk about this a lot. It's part of my soapbox, which is like hundreds of studies that have been around since the eighties talking about, um, the use of estrogen for a muscle building capacity. And that to me is fascinating. And that the other piece that's fascinating is that I, I, people could have been telling me this when I was like, you know, in my teens and twenties, doctors or, or trainers or anyone. And I've worked with lots of people in very different and high level sport. And no one was ever coaching me to say you have 10 days in the monthly cycle during your reproductive years that you can build 30 to 40% more muscle like utilize your estrogen, it's a superpower. And it's, and I don't know if you guys are even familiar with these studies, but there are so many of them out there. And now people are doing more research around like joint laxity and when we shouldn't be overstretching as women because we either have a progesterone bump or estrogen, et cetera. So it's, it's wild to know that those existed yeah. and then no one was talking about them. And I always say this thing that's like, if it was, if it was studies around a male body, we'd have like the 10 days to yeah. muscle madness, MSW, well, people, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, that's why all but these, all these bodybuilders started shooting insulin into their, like, I'm like, <laughs> what? Like, but there was a ESPN article, well, at least ESPN was one of the uh, sources that wrote an article about the U.S. women's soccer team, how they only trained during during specific times spe specific time is in their cycles. Yeah. It is getting, it's getting more talked about, which is amazing. Yeah, and then it's just like the productivity is like, and they're showing these graphs, and it's like, well, why isn't this like a just a standard across? Yeah, like measure people, gr women's cycles, train them harder, I guess. I don't know, or just more effectively. Yeah. Um, some of those terms are not very good with, but like I can see numbers, right? It's like, oh, so they're they're trying this thing and it's working, obviously. Yeah. So why isn't this just? It's really hard <laughs> because what happens is you have a team of, uh, look, I don't sports ball. I know so you have a team of, I don't know how many people do you have in a soccer team. 10 women, 22 women, 22 women. So off base, Kristen. Well, it's um, 11 in a, in a 11 and play a, at a time. And there's 22 on, on the team. Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah. Okay, cool. So you have 22 women on a team and so, some of those women may be, you know, we have this suspicion about, you know, aligning our cycles when we're all together all the time, but like no way all those women are going to be on the exact, exact same hormonal path at that, the exact same time. So it's like you have to train like, you know, Sally and Juanita and like everybody different 
differently because they're in a different day of their cycle and they have to be tracking their cycle and then you have to have someone who has enough wherewithal to say not only do I how how do I phase train these people just meaning like at what level are we working month to month to be able to build muscle or to lean out or to, to pa- build power or whatever the target is whatever the context is for that sport but you have to build the monthly cycle within the phase training and that's like and then both the coaching staff, I guess professional soccer, right? You'd imagine they would have the coaching staff that has that capacity, and then the women on the team have to be able to adhere to that. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's. A, I think it's like, a, yeah, absolutely. This is like, you know, it's like, but, but that's next their, level. Why like, not? That's that's how they make their living. Like, what else are you Tot- doing? No, totally. What else are you doing? <laughs> well, <laughs> totally. But there's there's a problem with that because let's take soccer for example. What age do women usually play like select soccer and club soccer? It's usually in their teens, right? Yeah, well, and, and what happens when they're in their teens using America? Well, um, they start getting their periods. Is that right. what you're talking about? But when they go to the doctor, what does the doctor give them for their periods? Oh, yeah. Birth control. Right. So you talk about getting on the same cycles. You're completely right. You cannot get 22 females on the same cycle because some are taking birth control. Different some, brands, different. Yeah, different, different types. Or they're amenorrheic if they're like working out and training too hard. Bingo. So then you talk about the overall effects of not accounting for the cycle. So imagine, let's talk a gymnast now, right? Mm-hmm. If you go nine years old and they have an early onset mentees or they don't have one because of body dysmorphia, mm-hmm. which is very easy and common amongst endurance athletes and females, now they get on birth control at age 12 or 13 just to make sure they don't get pregnant because we can't ruin this career that we have on track. And all of a sudden, she gets to 18, 24, 28, and nothing has been accounted for because she hasn't had a cycle. Yeah. And it's really incredible <clears throat> that you bring this up because you're right. We don't look at the female in the same light because get this, estradiol, okay? This is, I think, why you're, the studies show that you should train when you're not having your cycle. And I, this, I guess you're not having your period. I guess right. I, we should really say that. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Because estradiol... Four phases of the cycle, right? And then the two longest ones, the front, we kind of call the front truth. I'm just... This is for listeners. The front the front half, we call the follicular phase, right? And inside there, you have ovulation and you have menstruation or menstruate. You know, those are two separate parts. But then you have the luteal phase. And the luteal phase is the back two weeks. So for a simple... Quite often, the science simplifies it. Follicular phase, first two weeks. Day one, bleed. First day of your period is day one. That's how we count it. Back two weeks is the luteal phase. So, yes... It's interesting you say that because I'm going to come back to that in a second too. Yeah. But uh, so the estradiol aspect of during the increase during the luteal phase, like when you're most like fertile, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, estradiol regulates insulin. So if you think about what Baldo said about insulin injections when you're bodybuilding, well, yeah, insulin helps glucose get into the muscles and the protein get into the muscles so you can get bigger gains, right? Yeah, the estradiol makes it so we can uptake glucose better into our muscles with, with the help of insulin because it regulates insulin directly that's what it does yeah so imagine people don't know that so what do they do when they get on birth control they suppress their estradiol which means they suppress that woman's ability to regulate their insulin mm-hmm. right which is a whole nother conundrum that's about to happen as well but going back to the thing about you said about the cycle and then they're stressed out well that's a, like i said that's a whole other <laughs> issue but the the thing about the cycle is interesting I tend to believe that the cycle is not nearly at the beginning or the end. It's just that it's there. It should be there at the end of the follicular and luteal phase, right? Like of your chance to become pregnant. Because essentially that's how I look at it. You have a chance to do it. You have like a blank start Mm -hmm. and then it goes up and then you have a chance and then you have a second chance. And then after that, you're done. That cycle is over. You flush everything out essentially. You get your period. You get your period. You remove the egg that had a chance to be fertile Mm -hmm. and then – you start over again. 
So it's weird because in nursing school, they literally shed, said, we're going to teach women's hormones from the perspective of how men see it. And men dictate the idea that I think the, the period's at the beginning. And I don't see it that way, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's even a backwards way of how men... Yeah, are, I totally agreed, right? It's right. like the cycle of what's of how it, your system is like potentiating and then flushing out everything. Totally. But this is since the dawn of time. Right. Like, this is why, like, you know, who created the tampon? And, like, who, like, you know what I mean? It's just, like, dudes. This is, it's, like, dudes. I mean, that's... It's dudes. Well, <laughs> it's, not, it's not conscious dudes like, either, by yeah, the way. That's true. Okay. <laughs> the birth control thing is, like, how can you try to even regulate when someone can get pregnant or not when, like, it would be easier to make do studies on me when it's always the same? I know, you know, we could give you the pills. I that see. Make you crazy. I, I still think that men cycle testosterone. That's that's my theory now. But what here's it. But what I'm saying is that there's so many different factors to create something for a female period, as opposed to there's one factor. Well, let's just let's just look at it this like, in general. Just try harder. From the dawn of time, <laughs> the dawn of time, even the idea of mankind, yeah, has been like almost a PC thing. You don't say anymore because it's humankind, right? Right. But. What's interesting is men have been always in We're power. All aliens. <laughs> have been the ones somehow they've come to power. Yeah. I don't know how. Right, but the course of it. But you know, if you go back far enough, the pe- women were running tribes, and there was like the and red tent. That and was they the all different. went there and had like intellectual. Dude, women rule. That was and here's and that's a women up. run the world. Well, that's a great point because you think about hunters and gatherers, mm-hmm. right? The hunters didn't always catch their dinner. Mm-hmm. What oh, did yeah. they survive off of? They survived off what the gatherers brought in, which was traditionally the females of the tribe. Yeah. And they're the ones who fed, clothed, bathed, took care of the hygiene of all the tribe. So if anything, they've been more important. They've been leaders in their own right. And what's incredible is the power play has been the idea that, like you said, health, when it comes to women's health, it's not viewed through the women's lens. And it hasn't been established that way for over 100 years at least, at least in this country. Yeah. Well, because a lot of times even the women that were making strides in that had to – step into the men's world first to try to play that game and then yeah. try to change it. Yeah. You know? like, and we yeah, saw yeah. it and we saw it and you saw a glimpse of it as well. But it's at this point right now, I do believe that there's this equality that should be coming on the horizon very soon. As far as kids will grow up and not even think that women and men have an inferiority complex, like either one. It's like they're just my mom and my dad are so powerful because you have two of them in the workplace now. Yeah. Like or last, my moms or my dads. Or my moms or, or my dads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so like think about even fifty years ago, <laughs> there was the mom at home. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And 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 that's a different kind of aspect because they used to call it homemakers. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And it's Our like biggest selling set it's not the was, case, right? You're not a housewife. Right? Totally. You're not married to the freaking house, but that's how it was, literally, <laughs> right? Yeah. Mad Men style. Just, I mean, it, that's why I imagine when you it's were talking true. about it earlier. Yeah, and I think it's like this is, you know, there's another sect of people that see the work that I do and they're, that uh, that I think is just – there are people who haven't gotten to know me. That's fine. That's like, oh, this is a feminist platform. It's like I am not a feminist. Yeah. I am very clearly not a feminist. I mean, I believe in women's empowerment, and that's all I work with my clients on a very bio individual basis because this is the other thing we don't do as people very well this is why you guys even exist this is why you have i love that you have such a passion for hormones because it's like everybody is so bio individual and everything that comes back on our lab work no two people are the same right right and so how do we manage bio individuality and then look at the 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 chemistry whether it be neurochemistry or biochemistry or whatever of the body to say what's the way that we can be the most efficient and effective women come to me all the time i don't just i don't personal train right i look at eight different areas of women's lives with like my online program with the work that i do one-on-one and i say where where are we lacking 
Yeah. Where are we like, where is there some some component we could do better? Let's not call it lack. Let's just say some component that is out of balance that we can course correct. And quite often, I'm seeing it in the areas of like stress load, right? And then women are coming to me being like, "But I'm on my Peloton 15 times a week, <laughs> and I'm 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 getting exercise, but I can't quite." A lot of times, they're coming to me saying, "I'd like to lose." weight they say weight I never say weight it's like lose body fat or recomposition the body I think that's the way we need to start putting it because that doesn't feel so shame driven yep. yep but they're coming to me for that and I'm like awesome we can give you that and you know what else we're going to give you all the other things you need and a lot of that this pr- pr- propensity and even like what I'm talking about later today here with a you know people who come to listen to this women's health biohacking talk it's it's like we have this challenge like our bodies every human body is as equally powerful as it is you know sensitive and and yes we need to become anti-fragile and but our bodies are equally powerful as they are fragile and knowing that we have to play both sides of the fence and I, I I specifically think and through the things that I've gone through even recently like I you know to try to make a long story short when I moved here I made the decision in the course of two weeks it was very like the vortex of Austin was sucking me in I have um, sold my house in LA, like put it on the market, went, got COVID, went home two weeks, packed my house up with COVID dealing with sort of the cord cutting and the emotional breakup with my ex, even though it's been three years because we're like selling all the properties and decoupling from a finance standpoint, lots of big stressors that I'm like, I got this. I'm a warrior woman. I'm fine. I'm fine. Movers pick up my stuff. I fly to a conference in Florida. This conference I've been wanting to speak at for five years, upgrade labs conference. It's like Dave Asprey's bulletproof, biohacking conference I'm like oh my god this is like the conference presentation opportunity of a lifetime I land at the hotel and I literally fall apart I literally have like a nervous system I want to call it failure I have the first day of the conference in the morning and I'm speaking the next day it's I'm two hours on the conference floor and I think I got to go up to the room something's wrong and then the second thing I think is I'm sure I have some nootropics in the room I can just like take a bunch of shit and be like fine I'm just going to power through Mm -hmm. and this is the thing that we do as women a lot that I, I, I have been coaching people for years, but really I've never had a, a panic attack or an anxiety attack or anything with my nervous system that felt like, Oh, something is wrong. Like physically my body was like, look at everything you just put yourself through in the last four weeks. Right. And also like post COVID let's talk about it. There's stuff going on. It's part of the reason I'm doing this, all this high dose NAD. And I get to the doorknob of the hotel room and I'm like physically shaking because my body at that point was like, look, you're not going to do anything about it. So I'm going to like shut you down. And I spent 24 hours in the hotel room feeling, even though I knew I was safe, just like I had to do this thing that's so hard for all of us as humans, but especially sometimes women in positions of power. It's like I had to call people on the phone that were downstairs and say, hey, I'm in the room. I'm not well. Can you take 10 minutes at some point today and come up and check on me? It's like so it makes me emotional even now because it's so hard to ask for that, right? It's so hard to be like, I'm a warrior woman. And tomorrow my topic is how to biohack like a warrior woman. (laughs) And what was happening with my body was like, really scary and like my psyche was really scary and so I like phoned a friend and called people and called my breathwork mentor in Amsterdam who like left me voice notes on like how to do some more breathing and just I needed some coaching right I needed some support and we don't 
I'm saying we, and I'm speaking for women in general, and I don't want to generalize, but we don't ask for support enough. We think we can do a lot. We think we can manage this 24-hour cycle or be in the corporate world and be big. I work with a lot of high-powered entrepreneurs that we can power through all this stuff and we can be like hard ass and we can just do it Mm -hmm. and we'll rest, you know, sleep when we're dead type of thing. And it doesn't serve, especially with women, it does not serve us in the long run because we're not putting any space for like allowing, right? Like I just, I got my word already for 2022, allow, because I am a big, like I'm forcing stuff to happen a lot. And I just learned the hard way that at some point the body doesn't, your body keeps score. It doesn't want that all the time. Now that can apply to men and women, but also women are more sensitive to, we need on average 30 to 45 minutes more sleep at night. We're more sensitive to depression and anxiety. Like there's tons of studies that are proving that about us. And for whatever reason, right, physiologically, we need to be extra sensitive to the shift that's happening in the world and be extra sensitive to the shift that needs to happen in our bodies, which is we build resiliency through rest, through allowance, through taking time in stillness. And I can speak for myself and plenty of my clients that we have a real tough time with stillness because of the socialization and Mm -hmm you know, workforce and, you know, all of the pressures that are on us. And so the stress is a great equalizer. I just learned that in a, in a way that was and you need to try. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. And, and I mean, it's like now I can talk to clients and have a real understanding of what that feels like to be, you know, have a, a social anxiety or to have like a, a nervous system crash, you know? Yeah. And we need a tribe and community, right? Like that's a hundred percent. And that, that's why I was calling people. Yeah. yeah. So I don't want to be on the soapbox about that, but that whole experience, I mean, I do want to be on the soapbox about that because that I mean, whole we're experience a, was like, we're in a box. <laughs> let's shift the conversation. And, and at the conference, it was, it was actually a beautiful opening because I went to speak the next day and I had, I was like, let me get a box of tissues. I don't know what's going to happen. I got up in the morning. I changed my first four or five slides and I said, I know we're going to talk about how to biohack like a warrior woman. I'm a badass coach. I can crush it when it comes to fitness and nutrition. And I have lots of answers, certainly not all of them, but a lot. And I'm really effing good at what I do. But before we talk about that, we're going to talk about what just happened to me in the last 30 hours. Because I thought that, it, I, it, you know, the rules don't apply to me because I could just keep going hard and, you know, I'll be fine. And that's not the case. Like It's like taking that step back and... That was like a scary presentation to do at this conference. But in the long run, there's a room full of women that are like, and a couple men, like Freddie was there and one of my other besties was there. But it's like, oh, these women actually super relate. I've spoken in groups of five to 5,000 people in a room. But this group of women was like, oh, I can super relate to you because you actually got up and talked about these things that are happening that are like happening to you, happening for you in a way that are happening to me as well. And it just felt like an interesting culmination like, you know, you look at the universal energy, if we're going to be all conscious in Austin and a little woo adjacent, and it's like that needed to happen in that way. Like, of course, that went down. Of course, I had this like whole, I hate the word meltdown, but let's it's just call it you. that. It's happening for me. It's happening at this big conference. And it wasn't even just happening for me. It was happening so that I could have the experience and then get up in front of a room of women and say, you are not alone. I'm going to ask you to welcome me and the story I'm about to tell you because I am not a perfect creature. And then I'm going to tell you that I'm going to welcome you in whatever way that you show up. And so for me, that trajectory or that circle was like why it had to happen that way, because then we can start having more of the conversation of my heart is broken or I'm depressed or I'm having anxiety or I can't get off my meds or I'm doing this other thing that women do. And I don't know what your opinion is of males 
physiological males doing this as much, but we are women in general are so terrible to ourselves in the mirror. We oh, would yeah. never let our our best friend, our best female friend show up at our house and talk as much shit about themselves. We would never let them get away with that. And we sit and we talk in the mirror in a way to ourselves that is so shameful and so bad for ourselves to listen to, you know? And mm-hmm. I want, I just want, I want females to feel like we can really look in the mirror and have confidence and ability and capacity and every client I get to work with I see all the beauty that they bring to the table on day one you know and it's such an interesting trajectory this is like the mindset piece and this isn't even a male or female conversation right there are plenty of people coming out of two years of being alone and not touched and not feeling happy that are looking in the mirror and saying like who am I why am I here alone is this life good for me is it bad for me I'm sad I'm lonely whatever right and we're 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 I get it I get it. We're battling it. It's being comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. And for most women, they're not going to experience it unless they do something drastic. As just like men, guys won't admit it. The dysmorphia issue and the body complex. I mean, have you been to the gym squatch we go to? I mean, guys are like eight packs all over the place, <laughs> right? And of course, the, the influencers, they're filming and all that stuff too. But it's incredible because – Behind all of it, we all go through an imposter syndrome. We all go through this inferior complex, right? And yet we have accepted the norm, quote unquote, the norm of what a woman or a male or a human should look like. Mm -hmm. And what I think uh, is time to embrace is the idea that we are all unique by design. And we should embrace and accept the idea that we were created like this for a reason. And if we do accept it, we tell ourselves every day that we're thankful for whatever we were given. If you have to go through the life journey of going through ups and downs just to appreciate the path that you took, then I'm telling you right now, it's all worth it. Because the breakdowns that we've all had, it makes us stronger. I love pain now, right? Because of the idea of that you can do something about it. You don't. It's hard to stay in pain. The, you know, People look to ways to get out of it. But looking at yourself in the mirror is painful for some people. Mm-hmm. I've literally talked to people that have said, I don't want to look at myself in the mirror. I don't like who I look at. And that kind of mentality is it's contagious. And it's routine because you get up and you do it again. That mirror is the same. Same bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. You can cut your hair off. You can dye it. You can get new color contacts. Right. You can't escape the fact that that's the skin you're looking at. Yeah. And so I think that we don't appreciate the fact that that individual brings a whole different kind of energy to the to the to the table. Mm -hmm. And I think that we should get to know people more on that sense of who are you? Like, what do you think? Not like where you came from. It's more like, what do you think? What are your morals? What are your beliefs? Right? Like, and I'm not afraid to be offended. Yeah. Right? Like, the constructive criticism is like, no, like, if there's something going on, let's own up to it. And I think that's probably part of your message, too, is you tell these women, just like we tell men or tell anyone, you can't just suppress this. Yeah. Like, if it's coming out, it's coming out for a reason. If you have these thoughts and these feelings that are coming out right now and saying, I don't like who I'm looking at right now, you're telling yourself, I want to change. Yeah. You're just not saying it that way. Yeah. 
but then what happens is people don't even have the awareness. Yeah, totally. And that's the problem I have because yeah. the awareness is the key to the ability to make that change. I'm aware that I can maybe do something about this. Can I call someone who's been in that position before? Mm-hmm. Now, getting back to your situation, what happened with the speech in in Florida? Uh, I I've given I would say that I've given a hundred presentations or more in my life to various different groups, and I, this was the most authentic. I always show up authentically. I like to I do my very best to be vulnerable in all the things, but this was by far the most vulnerable I've ever been on a stage, and by far the most well received presentation I've ever given. Oh, yeah. Which just is like it's it's interesting, right? Because it's like it's it it. I felt very cracked open and I thought, okay, I don't know how I'm going to, someone said to me, bring a box of tissues to the stage and then you won't cry. But if you don't have the tissue, you should be, but it's just because it was like, okay, this is, I'm going to really tell this group of people who, who potentially looks up to the work that I'm doing, thinking, you know, I can do no wrong or like, you know, people know nobody's perfect, but you want to show up strong. Like, and that's a thing that I have done for a long time. It served me well as like Kristen shows up strong and she wants to make sure, you know, she shows up strong. And there is a, there is nothing broken about that, but there is a different vulnerable part of me that is like soft and sensitive and wears my heart on my sleeve. And you see it when I'm like here mm-hmm. sitting at MSW and like, you know, with my friends or with, with even with you guys. And it's, you know, that's why I come here because it's warm and welcoming and I can, I can kind of be the girl who's like a little heart on my sleeve and <laughs> nobody's like, who's that weirdo? And yeah. also if you wear your heart on your sleeve, Austin is a great place to be because everybody... I was talking with a friend last night. Everybody does the long hug here. Oh, Not yeah. everybody, <laughs> but like so many people do the long hug. And it's like, it's starting to become, is it a competition? I'm only four weeks into Austin. Oh, so well, someone's like, I'm going to go f- past the point by like five seconds and anyone else will go. The the point of like awkward, but it's not awkward. It's just like, I have so much love to share. You met you met Cole the other day or no? Yeah, Cole, yeah, I okay. know Cole well. She's amazing. Oh, and then you know Ta then. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, Ta. Yeah, yeah. Ta. Ta gives the Ta's best the hugs. long. Yeah, Ta's he's the, the long hugger. hugger. He's the okay, long hugger. Okay, so but it's for, great. So people who have never experienced or haven't experienced in two years, let me explain what this is. In the past two years, <laughs> since we've been in Austin, that's all we've experienced is long hugs. We experienced yeah. it before that. Ta comes in, we get a big hug. That's what yeah. happens, right? It's one of those where like you're about to let go and he squeezes a little harder. Yeah, now, <laughs> we take a breath together. Now here's what's interesting about this. You talk about the femininity side of embracing, you know, the connections amongst other women. Talk about the connections with other men. Okay. Yeah. So first time I met Ta, he gave me one of those long hugs. Yeah. It was probably the longest hug I've ever had with a with a man. Right. It lasted, I kid you not, probably twenty seconds. It felt like an eternity. <laughs> Because I was like, when is this guy going to let go? <laughs> and it wasn't one of those like, okay, I'm going to kind of let you go and see what happens. No, like I tried to let go and he held on. <laughs> Love and him. so I was like, oh my God. Oh, here we are. Right? And so imagine. And then at some point you're like, well, fuck it. What, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. When surrender. You feel that, oh my God. Men when, surrendering? When you no feel way. that, you say, okay, here well, we are. <laughs> now you take it a step further. We have some men who choose to do the left-sided hug. Oh, yeah. Left oh, side, heart chest, to heart. heart to heart. Yes. Because it is a sign of respect. When I was younger, it used to give the handshake. The guy's like, what's up? Give the guy a hug. Like, oh, what's up? Wrap one of those one arms. Sometimes the double arm, hey, 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 that's too much. <laughs> Nowadays, I have guys putting their heart directly over my heart so they can feel the beat sync with each other. Yeah. And they hold the hug until it sinks, which might take 10 <laughs> or 20 seconds, right? Yeah. And it's incredible because – now I hug with certain people like that and it's another sign of affection. Yeah. And it's another way to show how much someone means to us or means to me. 
And I think it's great because in a time where we've covered up <laughs> the ability to even smile and acknowledge individuals, uh, when you basically go into someone's energy field, yeah. that is like the ultimate, ultimate embrace. And I welcome it because sometimes that vibrates an energy so high to where it succumbs and they surrender. Yeah. And next thing you know, they start to heal. Yeah. yeah like, I don't know what to do. Just... Hold me. Yeah. Just hold. Like how and many there times? There is like right? oxytocin co-regulation, Boom. all this beautiful stuff that happens, and and the power of touch right now is important. I also want to just say because like, I, it always needs to be said that it's like, you don't have to be a hugger. It's always about consent. <laughs> all of those things, of course, are important. But of like we're in the communities here that we're rolling in a lot, I think there is a there's like. There are asks like, hey, can I give you a hug? Like that happens a lot. You know, I want to hug you. Hello. So there is consent. And also there is an understanding between friends that like who are already were hanging yeah. out. That what? We're like, I'll come in here. Yes, and hug of course. You well, not, just randomly I make you hold my hand while I get the needle. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. Well, I mean, well, the other day I saw you out there and I was like, do you want to hug? And you're like, yes. yes <laughs> and please. it was just like, there's yeah. a lot of that. And it's, yeah. it's interesting because in the healthcare yeah. world, as a practitioner in school, they said, don't hug your patients. Totally. That's what they literally tell doctors. Do not hug your patients. Yeah. Incredible. Because the amount of healing that comes from physical touch yeah. consentfully, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like the idea is that you can say, I don't know what else to do other than just give you my energy. Yeah. So, or just a hand on a hand as a doctor, like bedside manner, like ah. it just makes someone feel protected or safer or so it's interesting. And I think they're probably saying that to you because they don't want you to get attached to your patients or something. It's funny you say that because it leads into this. I did a rotation in nurse practitioner school with uh, this physician who was old school, very allopathic, but um, he understood what fish oil was and how good it was for the heart. So I thought that was kind of cool. However, we would go in there as traditional family practice, uh, a lot of upper respiratory infections, a lot of antibiotics, UTIs, diabetes, heart disease, stuff like that. Well, here's the thing. He never touched his patients ever, ever, even when they were sick. He'd be like, all right, well, I'm just going to go listen to their lungs. Like he'd take the stethoscope and go listen to their lungs. And then he would kind of open the eye, you know, put the tongue dispenser in there, you know. Uh, okay, well, let's give him a shot of this and do it. And it was funny because he knew I was a chiropractor. So he's like, oh, well, this person's coming for back pain. Can you do the exams on them? I said, of course. I would do like 10 different orthopedic tests very quickly in like a minute. And he'd look at me like, how did you know all that? And I'm like, because we were taught that. He goes, you know what? Chiropractors probably get patients better because you put your hands on patients. <laughs> he's yeah. what he says to me. And I said, well, yeah, you should do try that more often You know, because they're your patients too. You, sh you should put your hands on them and see if it helps them. Yeah. And he just like, no. <laughs> no, I'm good. They're sick. That's what he said. They're yeah. sick. Why would I do that? And I'm thinking, like, not to get too biblical, I'm pretty sure Jesus put his hands on leopard <laughs> and say, like, I am not afraid. Yeah. When people come in here and and they're sick, they ask us beforehand, talk about consent. Is it okay if I'm if I come there? You're okay with that. Why would I turn you away? This is a place of health and wellness and healing. Why in the world would a sick person be turned away? They literally yeah. call and ask that. They literally call that. They say and they say this. I've called tons of other doctors' offices. No one wants us there. Especially no one now. invites us, especially yeah. now. And I say the travesty of sick care. And now you talk about going back to the empowerment of people. I think you're incredible, Kristen, because you speak up for people who don't know where to find information, who to trust, and they resonate with someone like you because you have everyone's story. 
And when you look at what people really want, we even have influencers and people of status and celebrity world because people want to be like them. And you truthfully understand that each one of these people have the same thoughts, the inferior complex, the body dysmorphia, just anxiety. And let, and let me interject and just say this. I worked in Hollywood. I worked with people who are on TV doing all the things. I'm and getting called to do an IV. Go, keep going. Sorry. And I've worked with people who are in Hollywood or like on TV and doing all the things. And those people are like, we all have it. Like I've been in their homes. I see how they live. Yeah. I, it doesn't matter. It, like, yeah, sure. Money or what fame. There are still people that are like, I can't get my daughter to eat food. Yeah. And I feel like a terrible mom. Yep. Like it's just we're all we're all cut from the same cloth. We're all a little lonely. We're all a little afraid. I can, and some of those pressures that they're dealing with from public eyes even more. Real quick before you leave, because you might not come back. Why are we doing seven fifty? Let's just get into this, and then we'll go back to. Yeah, yeah, we can get into it. Cool. Yeah, let's, we're talking about philosophy. Oh, uh, your I'll, side. I'll say my side, then you can. Yeah, go. yeah. perfect. That's perfect. Okay, so Nad uh, nicotinic adenosine uh, dinucleotide is a B three vitamin derivative that essentially feeds the mitochondria the energy it needs in order to produce ATP, which is our main currency of energy. That's all biochemistry. I, that. I don't know how to put I it any better that on that. A, I want that on a soundbite that oh. I can listen to in my alarm clock in the morning. There you go. I That's probably easy. ruined the soundbite at the very end with the, the continuation, but uh, it, it rejuvenates the mitochondria, which is the powerhouse of, of our energy production. Any disease, dis-ease, if you want to call it, is caused by oxidative stress. Yep. You have that naturally occurring in your body. Every time you make energy, you make oxidative stress. So by default, the yin and the yang means you have to detoxify that. So if your detoxification systems are not up to par, which most people's aren't, think of it as immunity, think of it as liver, think of it as skin, breathing, peeing, pooping. Most people are off on that. If they can't get rid of the stuff, then your body has to get another way to get rid of this oxidative stress. NAD gets rid of the oxidative stress and it helps rejuvenate the mitochondria to produce more ATP for future use, thus increasing your longevity. Yep. Amazing. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Yeah. yeah. And so then for the listeners, why did you choose to do this? Because this is your second time doing this. It's this is my se this is my second time doing this ever uh f with a uh, intravenous, yeah. And I um the first time I did it because I'm a biohacker, so biohacking, I use that term a lot and I consider myself a biohacker even though plenty of people don't like that word um because of the word hack, I guess. I'm not it's not about cutting corners. It's about shifting your environment in and outside of your body term coined by Dave Asprey. And, um, you shift the environment and you're able to create more longevity and more better health overall, optimize your, optimize your wellness. And I think that that is a, you know, it's using ancient practices. Like I use ice baths and, um, heat and um, breath work, a lot of breath work and meditation, which are all things I'd consider under the biohacking umbrella. And they've been around long before that term. And using modern technology, so getting on, you know, an ARX machine or getting on a Vasper and using things that feel like possibly shortcuts, but really that they are more efficient. And so I went and did the, the NAD the first time I did it because I had heard about it, I'd re researched it a bit, and I thought, well, okay, intravenous seems to be the way to go, and I want to get a, a, a next level detox on my body, and I want to see what's going to happen. And so um, I had done that last time, and I, I felt like a queen. I did a four day pr protocol then. And I felt like a queen. I did 750 uh, up to a thousand mil the first day. And then, um, now I'm doing a five day protocol, which seems to sort of be the better choice in the sense of I had COVID. It took four days for me to accept that I had COVID and start all the protocols that <laughs> I knew damn well, I should have started four days earlier. And, um, 
I uh, I know that this will help sort of get the last 5% yeah. of what little brain fog, a little bit of lung stuff that I have going on out of my system, as well as it's, it's a reset. It's like, I think it's something that behooves people to invest in their health to do, you know, let's say once every 18 months, I, I felt for the two weeks after I had, did it last time and I can even see the shift in my sleep scores now and how I'm feeling. It's like bringing my body a little bit more online holistically. And last time I did it, the two weeks after I was like a rock star. I was like, Oh my goodness, can I live like this forever? I feel so amazing. And let's also recognize I eat clean and I take care of myself as well, but it just leveled me up in, in a whole nother way. And then for about 18 months or so after I just felt better, I just felt more even, um, you know, it's like you, you go to the baseline thing and put NAD, you boost your mitochondrial health. There's all of these downstream positive things that come from it. So what's, you know. what's funny. Cause you referenced the whole, like some people don't like the biohacking term cause it feels like a shortcut. Yeah. And it's like all the biohackers I know they're doing, it's like, it's not a shortcut cause you're doing more things. <laughs> like you're having Between to go out of your way to like get in very uncomfortable positions, do very hard things, do yeah. extra things that the normal person is yeah. not doing. Cause most people do say, yeah, I get some exercise. Yeah. But a biohacker is like, well, not only do they do the exercise, but they're also going to go and recover harder. Right. Like, like do the extra. Yeah, things. That's like, the thing, right. The sleep and the recovery. I'd like to not only just with females, which is it's wildly important for, for women because we're not doing it enough um, from what I see from my clients and the world. And just generally speaking, I think sleep is, is more and more on trend now. So people are getting an understanding that recovery when I build the health and wellness pyramid for all my clients, like the base of that pyramid is sleep. It will never not be sleep. Because it's just the thing that helps us recover. So like I I say this a lot. It's something I learned from Dan Garner, who's my my fitness and nutrition mentor. It's like you are only as fit as what you can recover from. Yeah. Like I don't you can go as hard as you want to go, but like you have to be able to recover from those things. So that's one of the big things that I, I teach women about. And and the other thing, you know, amongst a lot of things, but. The other piece of it is like, how are we training? Like, are we just training cardio? Are we training all our energy systems? Are we, we don't, again, I see women and the experience I have with females is we don't lift heavy shit enough. We just don't, we, 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 what heavy is relative. It doesn't have to be, you know, I see on Instagram all the time, these super chiseled women in like a perfect outfit and hair and makeup on a weight bench. And they're like lifting a five pound pink weight. And I'm like, that is not how you got that body. Yeah. Like we need to be, be motivating each other as females to like what what is heavy for you and can you lift it in some way lift it push it you know squat it whatever and and what does it mean to go to the gym and actually do work like minimum effective dose what kind of weight are you putting on whatever you're doing whether it's resistance work whether it's like getting on one of these machines we talk about or whether it's weights and how do how do you actually do the work because it Anyone can go to the gym and say, I went to the gym today because they want to say I went to the gym. And we all have days we don't want to do too much work or we're just recovering. But you're in the anyone can go to the gym for an hour, 45 minutes, whatever, and walk on the treadmill and lift a little weight and be like, okay, great. And it's not really a workout. Right? Yeah. There is community and that's cool. But like, what does it feel like to push our edges? And, you know, even if it's just for like 15 minutes of that whole workout. So how do we... This is as people, but as women specifically, how do we lift something that's heavy and how do we feel safe doing it? And maybe you need to get why people come to me sometimes is because they're like, I want to do these things, but I don't really know what's safe. Right. And I think over time, 
So it's like we saw the early onset of biohackers being men out of like the tech bubble or, you know, what I think is because men, you know, women are a bit more risk averse. So men are like, yeah, I'm going to put red light on my balls and inject needles in my end. And like, uh, and women were like, wait a second, what is this biohacking yeah. thing? Like, you know, people are doing crazy, crazy shit. And, and it's not, it's just, you know, you do with what is, what in, what you can ha- handle in your wheelhouse and part of the reason I use the term and I coach women around biohacking is because I want them to go, okay, cool. This isn't scary. Yeah. But a lot of it is just a balance, right? Because the, the reason we yeah. even need like a red light therapy is because we're so, we're under so much blue light therapy totally. in a sense, right? Like, like the, the, it's just, we're just trying to put ourselves back in balance because yeah. we are so adapted to however we lived for thousands of years. We're not going to change that in like 1000 years. Totally. You're this is like, just like human performance. Like I just, I was interviewing with um some, some a CrossFit crew and they were like biohacking, whatever. It's just human performance and optimization. It's like, yeah, call it what you want. Like I don't care. Yeah. Just, yeah, get, get out in the sun more in the morning and get yourself in. I'm a really big fan of cold exposure, like yeah. ice baths. I think it's super, um, you know, super important for all of us to, you know, declimatize I don't know if that's the right yeah. word but like to stop we go from an air conditioned this to a temperature controlled that and so how do we how do we shift our state and also do hard things and also there's so much benefit to the cold yes there's so much benefit to heat saunas and it's, it's easier to it's pretty easy to talk someone to get into a sauna for a little while but yeah. ice baths are different do you and like then, the, the yeah. ice do you like the ice bath or do you like that really chilled water Have, do you know what uh, I'm I mean about? I want to be sub 40 I want to be sure, sub sure. sub forty degrees so like, Fahrenheit. And uh, when so we go to squash, it's mm-hmm. it's an ice bath, like tons with of ice, ice cubes because they have an but ice machine. But when you go there, to, right? but when you go to the Ocean Lab, I don't know if you've been there. Yeah, yeah that's a plunge. Um, that's more of a plunge, and yeah. it's also sub forty. It's like thirty seven. I asked them the other day. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always check the temperature gauge and see which one is colder there, and I'm like, can I get in that one? Um, and then I have the gold standard, the Cadillac of ice baths at my house, which is a Morosco Forge, which I'm a, a huge fan of. It's definitely an investment. You have to, you got to really love the cold. But um, but I'm you know I'll coach people there, and that's like thirty five degrees, and it's self chilling. It makes its own ice, and it's ozonated, and it's self filtering. So it's rad. You have to come. Yes. We're gonna have to have an MSW comes to take the plunge, um, in the Morosco totally Forge down. at my house. Yeah. But and this is How the other thing is, is like uh, six feet long. Okay. And it's, it's, it's rad. You have to check it out. Oh yeah. Morosco Forge. Totally it's great. Down. I um, love the cold too. So I think, cause I'm a, I'm a big climber and, yeah. uh, and I always have, uh, just like shorts, uh, cause I don't care how cold it is. I'm going to jump in the water. Yeah. Like that's just my thing. Like I've, yeah. It's like, awesome. It's and then a, there's two tactical I've, I've things. I've done some scary shit where like, uh, one time I was like, there was a frozen lake, mm-hmm. but there was a little section where the sun was hitting it. And it was like melt you could get in it and i was like oh i'm doing it yeah and it started drifting me away under and i was like oh fuck. oh like, yeah you have to like be this careful. is yeah because it just started taking me away and i was like oh man like this is okay i don't know if i'm ever going to do that again because like if if i don't hold myself it's here like, like i'm dangerous who, who knows what happens yeah yeah right and so but and tactically for there's like two amazing things about the cold number one for men cold exposure before training boosts testosterone like 300 percent human growth hormone there's so many benefits and lots of us are doing cold on our days off lots of men are doing cold on the days off or cold after the training right and so getting cold beforehand is like incredible for physical development and testosterone scores which is like one of the number one googled things is how do i boost testosterone yeah. i'm sure you guys get that question here all the time all the time and then for women I just fast 
what? I just fast. You just fast. Then you're like, I'm in. Um, and then for women, you know, I think it's safer for men to go into the ice every single day. And for women, I don't recommend it. I say to anyone who asks me anyone I'm putting in the ice, it's like, look, two times a week, three times a week. Awesome. Four times a week you could even get away with, but more than that, you start to like dysregulate, especially if you started with dysregulated hormones, you can dysregulate like cortisol or your sex hormones or whatever as a woman pretty easily. Cause again, we're so sensitive to all of that. So really, if you're getting in the ice, I think, you know, you just need to understand minimum effective dose. Everyone should do what they want with their bodies in space. It's fine. And it's less safe for women from a hormone standpoint, from a stress management standpoint to be going in every single day. Like there's contraindications. If you're pregnant, you've never done ice before. If you're diabetic, uh, heart pacemaker, things like that, don't go in the ice, but women doing it, you know, with a relative frequency, but not every single day, I think is important to note. And also the anecdotally, we're seeing a lot of, um, I never like to use the word cure because that's, you know, we don't want to say that, but there we're seeing a lot of benefit and support to mitigating symptoms from lots of different autoimmune Hashimoto's yep. and people even coming off meds and, and really clearing those things as part of the process of their health and, and optimization journey through the cold. And that to me is pretty miraculous. And also allopathic medicine sometimes is like, oh, you have Hashimoto's, don't go in the cold. Or you have Raynaud's disease, don't go in the cold. But but we're, we are seeing positive attributes in people, especially some people who come like 11th hour I say we because there's another woman I work with, Adrienne Jessic, who is one of the co-founders of Morosco Forge, and she and I see a lot, a lot of females with a lot of dis-ease coming to say, hey, I don't know what else to do. I'm yep. in this like place of 11th hour, and, and I can't quite get um, you know my body back online, and they try cold, and we carefully put them through the process of coaching them in cold, and, and we see a lot of amazing transformation. It's really cool. That's How long do you go in there for? Uh, I like six minutes. I mean, I'll do longer, but you know, this is the thing. It's like, what's the minimum effective dose for, for anyone who's trying it and what's the minimum effective, you know, what this thing just happened with like Joe Rogan, right? Where he got on and love Joe Rogan. Right. And, but he got on the first day and got in his, he has a Morosco Forge. He got in for a minute and then jumped out. Right. And then surely, you know, you and I both know what happened, right? Jocko Goggins, people are like, oh, you, you suck. You only did a minute. Like it wasn't. So he's like MMA mindset, right? <laughs> I'm just going to go in the next day. He goes into his forge. Maybe it's two days later. I don't know. 20 minutes live. He does Insta live. Like, so no cheating, right? No, I can't BS anyone Insta live. And he's in there. And by the end you get to watch the whole physiological cycle he's like shaking and shivering and like at that point even though love joe rogan mma fighter like mma mentality i'm just <laughs> gonna muscle through this at that point probably at the point of 10 minutes he's at the point of diminishing returns you are no longer benefiting your body yeah. you're going from stress, which is like stress that is like intentional stim stimulus to create a response that's a healing response to distress and I have no, you know, people should do what they want with their bodies. And also you have 4 million views. What the F are you doing? You're well, that, scaring people off ice. Yeah. You're going in too long. And I want to take him out and hug him and say, look, let's just do you. <laughs> yeah, that's a, the, 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 uh, the thing I have, because well, I have a lot of respect for, for a lot of people like Joe Rogan. Uh, but sometimes there's a disservice being made, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because prior to what I was going to also say is that cause we go to Squatch and like, the other day I walked in there and they're like, Paul, you're going to get in the ice. I was like, I get in the ice every day that I'm here. Yeah. Uh, and I don't go there every day. 
but they were bragging about going 20 or 30 minutes each and stuff. I'm like, dude, I, I don't see the point. Like, honestly, like, what's the point of doing all that other yeah. than for bragging rights? And if anything, it might, it, you might be doing some harm to yourself. Like, yeah. don't do it just because you're trying to beat a record. Totally. Like, and the thing is, there's <laughs> this beautiful moment in the ice where you actually get to surrender to it. And if you yeah. muscle your way through through a crate shiver response is also good like let's just say that like it's okay to have a shiver response if you're like shivering hardcore in a way that feels dangerous in the water like hypothermic borderline like that's not good but getting out and having a shiver response is normal for many people and is a place where the brown adipose tissue which is the tissue we want densely mitochondrial populated fat right it's the good fat we want that it's being built it's being made it's being transformed from white fat so we we're, i'm down but yeah, people will stay in 20, 30 minutes and they're like overly shivering. But they then you miss this moment of like learning the lesson from the cold, learning what it's like to be in such a present moment of the now and giving yourself a moment to say, because it happens physiologically as well, the way that if you get your neck in, your heart rate slows, your blood goes all to the central core of the body to protect the organs. And you can have this beautiful moment of transformation where you're like surrendering to the ice you're still sovereign. You can get out when you want, but like that letting go and being okay with sitting in a dose of stress, that's where the magic is. Oh yeah. And if you're like, fuck yeah, I'm going to do this. <laughs> like you just, you're missing the point. And I, you know, it's, it's, I've put over a thousand people on the ice and run breath work with even so many more people than that. And it's just like learning how to utilize your breath so that you can apply, like we don't biohack. I, we don't get in the ice. We don't meditate to get good at biohacking and ice baths and meditation. We do all this stuff to get good at life, like yeah. playing the game of life. I and love that. if there's stress, then we learned how to manage it in, in, in this, like in the ice, for example. Then when there's like traffic on the highway or we're fighting with our partner or something, we can handle it more beautifully. We can be more in that present moment and say, okay, how can we do this with grace? How can I surrender to this and actually see what's going on instead of being like caught up in the, yeah, in the emotion just, like, of I it? I sometimes think about it like I, I'm practicing peace in, in whatever aspect, like, you know, I'm practicing my control of peace, mm -hmm. right? Because when I get in the ice, I'm usually like, I just close my eyes and I start doing my meditation. Like yeah. it's just, and and it's difficult. Well, purposely difficult at the beginning or when I'm still trying to figure out how like stay in the like nothing mm -hmm. because I'm still thinking about the shivering and like yeah. controlling my breath. And, yeah. and at some point there's no more of that. And it's yeah. just like peace. Yeah. And it's like, I'm going to stay here for a little bit longer, but then, but I'm ready to go out because that's what I was trying to reach. Yeah. Yeah. I was just trying to reach this like peaceful state. Which is great. You're not like using a clock. Yeah. And that's like, I get it. And it's no, usually it's around cool. three to four minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, because I still set the time because I don't want to like, well, because I have lost myself in meditation where like, oh shit, an hour later, like in just normal <laughs> meditations and I don't want that to happen. Yeah, yeah. Like when I'm if in the ice. In ice for an hour, you're like, <laughs> nah, I'm out of here. And also like, there's no shame on some of the stuff that's going on with people being like, I want to go longer. They're finding their edge. But when it gets competitive, like Correct. even with NAD, like I don't know if you've seen this, it doesn't happen as much anymore because some research came out saying pushing NAD too fast is actually detrimental. So, but people were initially being like, I'm going to do an NAD drip and I'm just going to like lay on the floor and set the clock and see how fast I can do oh, the yeah, bag no. and racing it. And it's like, this is not what we are trying to do. That is actually like detrimental to your cellular health to push it too hard too fast. It's not good for the body in general. And so... 
Our you, buddy, a buddy of ours came in. He's like, dude, I want to do 1,500 now. I want to do it in three minutes. So I was like, that's not going to happen. No, it's like, oh, uh, and just like, and what like, gauge needle do you use? It's like PVC. Well, the thing is that, well, that was a part. It's like he had listened to some guy in podcasting that did something similar, or at least he said that he did it on the thing. So he came in thinking like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. So he convinced us finally to try to do it like in 10 minutes. And... Oh, like two minutes later, he's like, "No, I can't do this." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, this of is course like you going can. back to like allowance and like just letting like some. <laughs> we in order to build resiliency, in order to build power, we have to kind of allow some things. We have to allow for stillness. We have to allow for space and time and be patient. It's like it's a really hard lesson that none of us want to learn, or we've learned it, or because we just we're instant gratification society. We are built on dopamine pathways now in a way that we have never been before. And and how do we just sit with each other? Like I had dinner the other night with a friend that was like, I recognized the entire time we sat and talked that his like phone was on the counter. I don't know, off or silent, whatever, but like that there was no interplay with that device. And it, and just even in the first 10 or 15 minutes, it was like, oh, well, I want to make sure that I'm fully present in this moment too. And so sitting with someone for two hours to have a meal and neither of us looking at a phone, not once, that's an opportunity to build a deeper friendship and connection. And this is exactly what, you know, what, what John was talking about. It's like, I, how do we get to know each other on a deeper level, like listening to each other, right? And it starts with people who we get a chance to meet. And then how do we sit? I used to work with a libertarian organization in New Hampshire that they had this thing that was like an ice cream social, right? But it was like <laughs> an ice cream social for people who didn't see eye to eye, who maybe were even fighting. or So someone would be like, I'm nominating you guys to do an ice cream social. And it was like, sit down with the person that you, let's not, let's just use the word hate, but like we don't mean hate. So yeah. the person that you really are like, oh, I disagree with this person. I don't like that what they stand for. How do you sit with that person and have an ice cream, which is like a fun hearted thing, and you both sit and have an ice cream sundae and you have to sit at this picnic table alone and then you both can maybe interrelate in a way because you're sort of going to talk. Yeah. Right. And so like, how do you do that and how do you come to common ground and can you do it over something? I think the ice cream was not about like sugar, right? Sure. It's just about like a fun experience with someone you don't like. Yeah. And I, I think that's like, we need to do more of that, right? Just like across the aisle type of stuff to really get to know each other. Well, I think so. I, and I think that, well, if anything, I think that that's fun. Like that, that a comfortable feeling almost because there is always something to connect on Yeah. and, and just allow like, the allowance, right? Like yeah. just allowing yourself to like even be open to that is, I think it's important, but I also like to use the, the, the term or, uh, or the phrase of like, don't allow someone else to take your, uh, your joy. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, that happened. But like, you can take all this from me, but you can't take my joy. Like that's, yeah. that's my own thing. Yeah. You have to choose to give it away. Correct. And yeah. so, um, so then, yeah, where's that balance? Cause if anything, that's the only thing that we can connect with is like, I'm not taking your joy and you're not taking my joy. So let's laugh about that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I think when we sit with people who have a difference of opinion, there's also this beautiful opportunity to say, shit, there's a point there. Like that's, you know, I, I worked with a gym in LA, um, the gentleman who owns the gym named Logan Galbrick wrote a book called Going Right. And it talks a lot about the growth mindset piece, which is like, how can you be open to disconfirming information? So what comes to you that you're like, ooh, like, you know, it's not about smarter than it's just maybe people are more well researched or they have better anecdotal evidence or like the science is always changing. Right. I sit here all the time and I learn from you guys and I'm like, oh, tell me more about hormones. Or I thought this was like a and it's actually like B. Yeah. And so a beautiful opportunity to be like disconfirming information. This is not what I thought, or this isn't what I really agree with, or is it? 
Yeah, correct. And like, how can we be open to changing our minds and not feeling like, oh, I didn't, I'm not smart or yeah. whatever. <laughs> well, and then the other thing is like, <coughs> why, why do we have to agree to get along? Totally. Right? Like, because then there's plenty of other things, right? Like, that's, that's usually my thing is like, well, I guess I don't, because when it comes to like manifestation and all that, like the only times, oh, the only way that it, that I ever see manifestation manifestation actually presenting itself, uh, in, like in this world is, is when, when I get to the point of like, well, fuck, I don't have to understand. I just, I just have to trust that, that it's, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. A- and so, and, and I'm talking with energy, but people are energy too. So why should it be any different that like, I don't have to understand it. Like I can just be okay with being here yeah. with you. Right. Like and we all are bringing this like layer of, lives ancestry everything with us right so yeah there's like, so much history it's not even right? like, like you like you and i could be like do i don't agree that's crazy and it's like well but he's bringing something to the table that i don't even know about this whole lineage of life and i'm bringing it too and maybe we'll change our minds down the road and and, and agree more but like kind of who cares we get to be like human beings in the space and time together you know? yeah and that's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's that, that that's such a fun. Well, I mean, we can go off forever on that subject. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, on differences and the likes and all that. But uh, see, what else? Anything else you want to touch on? Well, I just I think like you know the the female physiology piece we we sort of touched on you know like cold exposure and breath work. We have different rhythms in our body based on our hormonal bumps and spikes that we have, or we take up, we uptake oxygen less than men in certain instances that's, you know, during those times, of the month of reproductive years. And I want to like, not also ignore that there is a whole different time of life where perimenopause and menopause happens and that there are lots of myths out there about how we just, you know, sarcopenia happens, which is just like muscle deterioration or lack of muscle growth or capacity to, to, to maintain muscle. And it's like, there are so many ways like lifting heavy weights and doing all these things that we, um, cause women are more susceptible to, to this like sarcopenia thing, this like muscle shift sure. where we lose, lose muscle. And so, but there are so many ways to not have to do that. Um, there are so many life changes we're not talking about when it comes to perimenopause and menopause. And I think there are so this is just a there's an arsenal of things that we can weave into our lives as we talk about it more as women because it's not just about reproductive years right that's a huge chunk 40 years of our life but um, there's even initial research now of women um you know even when women get into menopause that there is a we've been we've patterned ourselves around 40 years of a cycle that we're still having something that correlates to that cycle and the way we emotionally physically and cellularly are walking around in the world so more research is coming and on that i know that there are like you know some initial things that are are super interesting to read about but just you know the thing that i always want to leave women with when i'm speaking or sitting with beautiful humans like you guys is just there is a a capacity for strength and self-love that we need to continue to lean into. And it's the reason I'm doing the work that I'm doing. It's the reason I left corporate America. It's the reason I work specifically with women when it comes to their nutrition, their fitness variants, their health, their meditation, their every kind of practice that I weave into my program Um, through warrior woman mode. It's like why my online course exists is so people can get a touch point to say, okay, I am never going to be like a hormone expert. Kristen Weitzel is never going to be the hormone expert or the, the uh, have an expertise on every single level. That's something that's next to impossible for people to do. I like to try to be the polymath. I want to aggregate data for women so that nobody has to sit on Google or WebMD and be like, what is going on? Because there's a lot of misinformation and there's a lot of conflicting information. 
So I call all the companies and the brands and I do all the research and I go into the studies and I have a huge team of mentors that helps me because I have mentors and coaches so that I can go to them with information and say, what's really true? You've spent 10 years in, in biochemistry. I have not. And, and my number one goal is to bring all of that and aggregate it for women so they have a place and a trusted resource and someone that feels like I can show up anyway, any emotional state, any size, shape, and color. And this woman, Kristen, will welcome me here. She was welcome me in so that, you know, we can be in community together or we can work together and understand our physiology, you know, the very best way possible to be. Who doesn't want to be the healthiest they can be and live long? And we can't do it alone. You know that. Yeah. And I know that. And that's why I'm here at MSW because this is the right people to be doing all this with. Well, welcome to Austin. Thank you. Uh, I love that you're here. I love having met you already. Um, Because you just moved here. I mean, I know you visited for for even like months. I visited. I took a month visit to say, I'll see all my friends. I'm never going to move to Austin. I own a place in L.A. I'll never leave L.A. And then two weeks into that move, the vortex just sucked me in. It's interesting, right? How how that's happening. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's community. I never thought I'd live in Texas. And it's just, it's really about, it's like, you know, I've been so science back for so long in my life. And I find the older I get, the more I believe really in like energy and connection to people. And there's just people who showed up in my life in the last year or so who just already were like, we know you're going to be in Texas. Well, what's funny about it and is everyone's that... And converging. Like, I don't know, sure. you know? The, and the thing about it is that the more, <coughs> the, the deeper you look into the science, the more it just proves like all these like 5,000, 6,000 year old believes like ayurveda and mm-hmm. all that i was just like oh but we've known that for nine thousand years ten thousand you know and it's kind of yeah. like now it's just going so it just comes full circle yeah right and uh, for health and wellness it's like so much beautiful activity so much just openness in austin even with the long hugs <laughs> especially with <laughs> which the is it's all it's all great and so it, it to me it feels like the right playing field and um msw feels like a great place it's like i i, I thought to myself on the drive here today how am I going to not take this little, because I put on the music in my car all loud and I'm like dancing on my <laughs> way here. And I'm like, this ritual that I've had all week, next week, I'm just going to have to drive here and be like, hi guys, I brought you coffee and then leave. Yeah, please, <laughs> uh, please, please, please. Uh, no, I was telling you that yesterday. I was like, well, I'm going to miss you guys seeing you here every day. <laughs> I wasn't here yesterday because I take my, th- well, I don't take Thursdays off. I work. I just don't work here on Thursdays. Yeah. Um, no, it's been a wonderful week. <laughs> a... Um, where can they find you? Um, any, anything Everyone you can find me on warriorwomanmode.com or at warriorwomanmode on Instagram. My podcast is called Well Power, W-E-L-L-P-O-W-E-R. And uh, all the links to like my online program and emails and every- it's easy to get in touch with me. Just, just find me somewhere. DM me somehow. Yep. I'm like in it to win it. Warrior woman mode. Yeah. Yeah. Kristen Weitzel. (laughs) Thank you.